More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I'm Kelly, and I want to thank you, as always, for tuning into the podcast today. I know you've got a lot of choices of things to watch and to listen to and to read. So as always, I am honored that you're here with me today. Well, before we get into today's episode, I want to give a little bit of a trigger warning. You know that when you're listening to Survivor Sanctuary, we are always discussing sexual abuse of some kind. So I don't feel the need for every single episode to say, trigger warning, this is what we're going to be talking about, because I think that most people are prepared and they know like what's coming and what we're going to talk about. But today specifically, because I do know some people who listen to this podcast who have dealt with this situation that we're going to be talking about today specifically, um, and that is being sexually abused by a teacher. So if that has been your experience, I just want to give you a heads up and warn you that we are going to be talking about teachers who prey on their students. And I just want you to be aware of that as we head into today's episode. So you're mentally prepared for what we're going to talk about. And one of the reasons we're talking about this today is that things have been going a little bit crazy here in South Florida. And there was like a three-day period this past week where several teachers were arrested for sexually abusing their students. Now, as some of our new stations like to say, like they don't say sexual abuse and they don't say predatory relationship. They say things like, you know, a school teacher arrested for having sex with a 15 year old student. Or my favorite was that the Daily Mail got a hold of this story and it says pregnant Miami teacher 41 is arrested for having affair with male student 15. So it's having an affair. And we know if you listen to Survivor Sanctuary, if you know anything about sexual abuse, these are not affairs and it's not having sex with it is sexual abuse and it is an abuse of power because you have a teacher who is an authority figure and then you have a student that is vulnerable and teachers just obviously should never be having physical relationships with their students no matter their age because the power differential we know is what constitutes sexual abuse in so many cases. And of course, let's not forget that it is illegal, which is the most important reason that teachers should not be having sex or sexually abusing their students. But in these several cases that came to light this past week here in South Florida, where I live, both cases were of female teachers who were sexually abusing their male students. And one, as I just mentioned, is a 41-year-old teacher, and she was arrested for sexually abusing a 15-year-old student. 
student in her classroom. And then another school here in South Florida in the same county where I live, uh, both of these stories actually are very nearby schools. Um, A drama teacher has been arrested for also sexually abusing a 14-year-old boy. And I got to thinking, like, it's just very strange that these stories are coming out more and more frequently um, where you're seeing women who are in positions of authority who are sexually abusing young teens. And I know from reading and these stories kind of getting more mass attention over the last couple of years. They're actually starting to do studies that show definitively that female teachers who sexually abuse male students are on the rise. And while it's believed that around 10% of the people who are sexual predators are women, which is, you know, a small percentage, that means 90% are men, that percentage is much higher when you go into the classroom. And that was kind of eye-opening to me because I didn't think that it would change anything. Like if 10% of all sexual abusers of children are female, then 10% of teachers who sexually abuse children must be female as well. But that's not the case. It's actually a much higher percentage when you enter the classroom. More research needs to be done into this um, because there's not as much. There is not as much research with uh, female sex offenders as there is with male because males make up the vast majority of predators. But it's not actually the statistics surrounding the sexual abuse of students and whether it's by a male teacher or a female teacher that I want to talk about on this episode of Survivor Sanctuary. It's actually something that's super disturbing about the way that these cases are handled, not only the way that they're handled by the police, but the way that they are also viewed by the public at large. And if you've read any article about a female teacher sexually abusing a male student or read an article uh, in comparison about a male teacher sexually abusing a female student. And then if you've had the lovely privilege of reading any of the comments on those posts, then you know there is a big difference in the way that stories are covered, in the way that the police and even our judicial system handles the perpetrators based on their gender, and also in the way that the public views male victims of sexual abuse by female teachers. And I don't know what came first, like the chicken or the egg here. Like, I don't know if the judicial system, I mean, it would be my guess that the reason that police and our judicial system handle female offenders differently is because of the way that the general public views. It's like those deeply ingrained beliefs about sexuality and males and whatever attitudes and preconceived notions that we have as society at large, like that leaks into all aspects of life, including law enforcement and the legal system. But there's something super disturbing about the story of the 41-year-old teacher who it was found out had been sexually abusing. I mean, they just said having sex with, but we know that it's sexual abuse. She's 41. He's 15 years old. And not only does that mean that she's a teacher, she's in a position of power, it is a felony for her to have any sexual contact with this student. Like, not only do we know that, but at the same time, you look at the mental 
makeup of a 15-year-old boy, and he's not at an age where he can make decisions, whether he thinks he's making them or not, where he can make good decisions about whether or not having a sexual relationship with his 41-year-old married teacher is a good idea or not. Like, yes, he may know that it's wrong. He may know that, you know, it's society frowns upon it. He may even know that it's not legal for her to do it. But we also know that as a 41-year-old woman and the person in the position of power, she has the ability to groom him and to manipulate him psychologically, emotionally, mentally, physically also in order to get what she wants, which is the sexual abuse of this child for whatever reason that she's doing it. I mean, we know that predators operate based on power and control, and I'm not sure how much that changes, whether the predator is a male or a female. But I do think that it's safe to say a 41-year-old wanting to engage in sexual activity with a 15-year-old is not just about engaging in sexual activity. It's about something much bigger and much more disturbing than that, although that's pretty disturbing in and of itself. So what I wanted to tell you about this 41-year-old who was sexually abusing her 15-year-old student is that the allegations came out in March. And as of the date of this podcast, it's October of 2021. And this teacher was just arrested a few days ago. Now, she works at a K through eight school. So this child was an eighth grader, 15 years old. Uh, But back in March, they discovered that this sexual abuse had been going on. It's so hard for me to call it this. And it's not, I don't think that it's because of my own issues with not understanding that the sexual abuse of male students is just as bad as the sexual abuse of female students. I don't think it's that. I think it's that every single article just says she started having sex with him. Like instead of like, she started sexually abusing him, it's the language that we use. And in most of these articles that I've read online and on Facebook and wherever I've been, um, they call they just say like she was having sex with a 15 year old child. In any case, Miami-Dade school police said that they were first tipped off about this woman and her sexually abusing this 15-year-old student when some students came to them saying that the victim was showing off videos of himself and his teacher having sex. They had it on video that this 15-year-old student and his 41-year-old teacher were engaging in sexual activity. Detectives found photos of the boy with his teacher naked and texts between the two of them expressing their love for each other. And despite all of this evidence that they had back in March, this teacher was just arrested a few days ago. And the only reasoning I can find anywhere is that they interviewed the victim. Police interviewed the victim. And he said, I'm not a victim. I was a willing participant I wanted this. She didn't coerce me. I'm not a victim. So I'm no crime has been committed against me. And rather than looking at the law, which says that a 41 year old teacher or a 41 year old anybody cannot have sex with a 15 year old child. They apparently took the kid's word for it and said, all right, well, I guess we're not arresting this teacher. To me, the level of corruption that has to exist to make that possible is completely mind-blowing. 
And actually, I don't know a lot about like South Florida politics, because honestly, politics drives me crazy. I, I try to stay out of it as much as possible. And I do know, though, that the one of the reasons that I heard about this story of the 41 year old teacher and the 15 year old student is because it was posted on a page where they do focus on government corruption here in South Florida. And they basically said that there is a school superintendent or a police chief that has been responsible for covering up a lot of these crimes or trying to not have them in the media because it's embarrassing, obviously, when the school system is repeatedly in the news for teachers sexually abusing their students. And recently there was a lawsuit um, where a student who had been sexually assaulted by one of her teachers here in Miami-Dade County was awarded tens of millions of dollars for what she suffered. And so I I don't know. I I believe that corruption has to be a part of it because how else do the police not arrest a 41-year-old teacher who is on video sexually abusing her 15-year-old student? And it is inexcusable that it took them seven months to arrest this teacher. When you have that kind of evidence, you have photos, you have texts, you have video evidence, and an arrest doesn't take place for seven months. And not only that, not only did they not arrest her, they did remove her from her teaching position immediately at that school. They moved her to another school. So they took this sexual predator, because that's what a 41-year-old teacher who wants to sexualize a 15-year-old student is, a predator. They took this predator and they moved her from the classroom she was in and sent her to another school. And for seven months, she was allowed to be around children. That is some like church level stuff right there. That's not okay in any universe. And it does reek of corruption. But I don't know enough about that corruption to get into that. And that's also not the focus of Survivor Sanctuary. We talk a lot about like church corruption and people, you know, who don't report sexual abuse or who try to sweep it under the carpet because of personal reasons. Like they don't want to lose their church. They don't want to lose their salary. They don't want to lose their good standing in the community. And I think it's the same when you get into schools, whether they are public schools or Christian schools that are owned by churches. It's the same thing. People are very protective of their institutions, and that can cause them to not want to report these things. But in this case, what's crazy to me is this case was reported to the police, and they interviewed this student. And because this 15-year-old said, I am not a victim, the teacher was not arrested for seven months. And the thing that gets me is the double standard here, because I think we're starting to get to the point where it is recognized that if a male teacher sexually abuses one of his female students, it's wrong. Society frowns upon it. The teacher is arrested. He's a scumbag. He deserves it. And listen, I know there are exceptions to this. And I know that there are people who listen to this podcast who have been hurt by the by these exceptions. So I just want to put that out there, that there are always exceptions to every rule. But I think in general, like the general way that life is going now these days in 2021, as opposed to like 10 or 20 years ago, we are seeing courts beginning to rule the way they should have been ruling all along in cases like this. And we understand if a male 41-year-old teacher was sexually abusing his 15-year-old female student, the vast majority of us, normal people, 
who are not sexual predators and who are not having fantasies about sexualizing children are going to look at a case like that and say that it's wrong. But the thing that really has just appalled me this past week, and it had me like furiously writing comments on the post about this article about this woman, you know, the 41 year old who sexually abused the 15 year old. And then they touched on a 31 year old drama teacher who was sexually abusing a 14 year old male student of hers. Um, Just within a few days here in South Florida, those two arrests were made. And it's just kind of like it's mind boggling. But it is so infuriating to not only read about the fact that one of these women weren't even arrested for seven months because her 15 year old victim said that he wasn't a victim. But it's also the attitude of the public at large that drives me completely insane. And, you know, it's not even just like, oh, I'm, I'm so upset and annoyed by this. It's not an annoyance. It is, it's grief in my heart. It's just this, like, I feel grieved that people don't understand that this is not some hot for teacher porno, which I feel like is how so many people in society treat it. They treat young men who are in school and who are sexualized by their older women teachers as people who should feel lucky, people who should wear that as a badge of honor, people who aren't going to be affected by this at all in their life. It's just going to give them bragging rights because didn't every guy fantasize about a teacher that he thought was hot having sex with him? And it just makes me sad because the reality is that male victims of sexual abuse are going to suffer in very similar ways throughout their lifetime as female victims of sexual abuse. That's not different. It's not like if a girl is sexually abused, she's going to experience depression and anxiety and difficulty in relationships and struggles with addiction and, you know, X, Y, Z. Like I could go on and on because the list is very large of things that people suffer when they're sexually abused. But the list is not different for females than it is for males. It's not a different list. It's the same list and it's the same effect or the same effects of childhood sexual abuse. And the way that society looks at teen boys who are sexually abused by females is so different from how they look at teen girls who are sexually abused by males. And it's not fair. And in addition to it not being fair, it perpetuates abuse and it perpetuates the ridiculousness of some of the punishments for these teachers who are caught. We see, and again, I will say, there are exceptions to every rule, but by and large, historically, a woman who sexually abuses a male is going to spend far less time behind bars than a male who is convicted of sexually abusing young children, whether they be male or female. We treat cute female teachers sexually abusing their teen male students or tween male students as something to chuckle about and like make jokes about. And I'm thinking of specific comments that I read. And there were the typical like, oh, lucky kid, like, where were these teachers when I was in school? Or, you know, that's the luckiest kid in the class. Everybody's envying him right now. Like, literally, people just saying the stupidest things. And I actually went on there and called them all ignorant tool bags because I was so annoyed by all the comments. But you try to argue with people and they just they believe what they want to believe. And it's hard to change anybody's mind when you argue with them on Facebook. So I realize the futility of that. And typically, I will not argue with people on Facebook. I will 
sometimes write out an argument and then delete it just so I can say what I want to say in my own head. And then I'm like, you know what, not going to change anybody's mind. But with this, because it's what I do, I advocate for the abuse and for victims of sexual abuse. And I'm not going to sit there when somebody is saying congratulations to this 15 year old kid who was having sex with his teacher. Lucky him. Where was that teacher when I was in school? I'm not going to sit there and listen to that because I know that whether this child understands it right now or not, he's going to experience long-term effects of having been sexually abused as a 15-year-old child. He does not want to be called a victim. And he said repeatedly to the police, I'm not a victim. I was a willing participant. Nobody to arrest. I wanted it. It's fine. But how many victims of sexual abuse feel that way after they're abused? I don't have numbers on this. And I don't want to speak to your experience because I know everybody's experience with sexual abuse is different, but I will say that there are many of us survivors of sexual abuse who believed or even still believe like who believed for a very long time. I am the one whose fault this is. I believed as a six year old child that I instigated the sexual abuse that I experienced I believed it as a six-year-old. I believed it as a teenager. I remember watching an episode of Oprah and her being like, it's not your fault. Sexual abuse is not your fault. Like, it feels like it's your fault, but it's not your fault. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that. And I just thought to myself, you know, I get what she's saying, but if she knew, like, really, like, my experience, in my mind, it was my idea as a six-year-old for an adult to sexualize me. And that's just what abuse does to you. It messes with your mind. It twists things up inside you. And part of that is self-preservation. Nobody wants to feel like a victim. And so sometimes we, we fight so hard against that because that's not what we want to be. You know, it gives us more control to say, this was my idea. But as a kid, you feel like, you know, everything is your idea. But my question is this. Even if a 15-year-old wants to have sex with his 41-year-old teacher... In what universe is that going to happen? Yes, kids may sit in class, and I'm sure they do, and fantasize about their teachers. I get it. It happens. It's life. But something you think about and something that you actually live through are two extremely different things. There has to be a lot of manipulation. There has to be a lot of grooming involved in a 41-year-old teacher and a 15-year-old student becoming sexually involved. And I did read in one article, it wasn't in all of them, but they say the quote relationship unquote began when she was tutoring this child in his home for several months. And I don't think that that's an accident. I personally don't know that many teachers who go to a student's house like after they've already like done their teaching and they need to do their grading and like teachers are very busy like I don't know of many teachers who are like oh yeah I'll come and tutor this student so to me that's not a coincidence that she was tutoring him it seems predatory and even if she did just start tutoring him and decided to prey on him at that point doesn't make it any better. She tutored the child, and that, I believe, is when the grooming began, and she continued to groom him until he believed that this was like a relationship. And again, I'm going to go back to my experience because it's mine, and I can't speak for everybody else, but I remember as a six-year-old child, the first time I was sexually abused by this adult male, that I thought, oh, he's my boyfriend now. I was six years old. I had never had a boyfriend 
I wasn't allowed to have boyfriends at that, you know, young little age. And I don't know what it was that made me think that except for the fact that he was sexualizing me. But I understood immediately that whatever relationship I had with him had changed. And I thought, oh, we have this special relationship. I felt special. Like, oh, I'm special and he loves me. And I'm six years old and my boyfriend is an adult man. Like, (laughs) that was the thought in my head. But is anybody going to get on a news article about that sexual abuse and say that I deserve to be punished because I played a role in this abuse? It happens in churches sometimes. Yes, we see where people are like, oh, like even with Brian Houston and Frank Houston uh, drama that has been unfolding on the world stage with Hillsong, Brett Sengstock maintains to this day that Brian Houston accused him of tempting his father as an eight-year-old child. You tempted my dad. And it's like, that's just, if somebody doesn't say it to us, it's what we think about ourselves. Like, I must have somehow had a hand in this. But that is self-preservation. It is the warped sense of self that we have once we're sexually abused. It is our inability to think and reason like adults because that's not what we are. And so when you look at a 15-year-old kid who says, I'm not a victim, this was my choice, I wanted this, we're in love and we're whatever, whatever, and I'm not a victim here. When he says that, you have to understand that many victims of sexual abuse don't think that they are. And it might take many, many years for him to get to the point where he realizes that he was preyed upon. And it's a really tough realization to come to because not only does it make you feel weak and not only does it make you feel like a victim and nobody wants to feel like a victim, but it's like that realization that everything you thought you knew wasn't true and you were emotionally manipulated and you were used to satisfy somebody's lust for power and control and whatever else it is that drives these adults who sexually abuse young children. A 15-year-old does not have the mental or emotional capacity. I say this as an aunt to 15-year-olds. They do not have the ability to reason their way through a sexual relationship with an adult. It's not something that they can do. That's not how we're made. That's not the phase of life we're at as 15-year-olds, you know? Like, it might seem like a great idea because, yeah, a 15-year-old boy obviously knows that sexual activity feels good. But that same 15-year-old may not understand the process of being manipulated and groomed into thinking that a sexual relationship with your 41-year-old teacher is a good idea. So the typical locker room idiot faces, the people that I called ignorant tool bags, it wasn't just those guys. There were other comments that disturbed me even more. There was a story that was mixed up where I I think I mentioned it a few minutes ago, a student or former student here in Miami-Dade County in Florida, where I live, uh, was awarded like $43 million, $46 million because she was sexually assaulted by um, a male teacher. And so they were kind of talking about that story at the same time because they believe that that story may be one of the reasons why this was covered up for seven months. Um, Again, not getting into the politics of South Florida because I don't know much about it. But people were confused and they thought it was this 15-year-old boy who was being awarded millions of dollars for being sexually assaulted by his 41-year-old teacher. And so people were a little bit confused and their comments were very telling because people are like, please tell me that this kid who got to sleep with his teacher 
and claims he wasn't a victim is not getting millions of dollars. Like, that's not fair. And there were women on there. Like, you kind of expect this from young, idiot, like, sorry, guys, I'm not picking on men here, but like a very specific kind of male who's just like, oh, that's a lucky kid right there. Where was that teacher when I was a kid? Like, you know, that type of person. But there were moms on there. There were females on there who were legitimately being like, this kid is no victim. He said that he said she didn't force him. And it's like people don't understand that force is not always this violent physical thing. It's coercion. It's something that you do not realize is happening. Like it's it, you're being tricked into it. And that may seem the wrong word to use like tricked into, but you're being groomed into this thing that's a really terrible idea that's going to have negative effects on you for the rest of your life. But you are being coerced because you are a 15-year-old child and legally you cannot consent to sex with your 41-year-old teacher or a 41-year-old anything. But there were women who were saying like, but he said he's not a victim. I don't understand why they're giving him money if he said that, that you know, he didn't get forced into this sexual activity. There were other people who legitimately said that this boy needed to be held accountable for his part in this affair with the teacher. Like people are literally making these comments. People who have children. One woman said, I have 15 year old boys. They know what sex is. They know what they're doing and they know that that's wrong. So this kid needs to be held accountable. I'm like, you people do not understand the dynamics of abuse. You do not understand how people are manipulated, how people are groomed, how people are drawn into this obviously this predatory relationship that is extremely inappropriate. That's why it's called abuse. And you know, sometimes when I look at the way that sexual abuse cases are handled, I know that so many are handled miserably. So please hear me. I'm not saying we fixed the problem, but you do see progress being made. You see differences from what was happening 10 years ago and what's happening right now. You see big differences from what was happening 20, 30, 40 years ago and what's happening now as far as how people are being punished for sexual abuse assault of minors. But it terrifies me that as a society, we are still fetishizing the female teacher sexually abusing the male student. It's a fantasy. It's this, ooh, the hot for teacher fantasy. You've got a sexy teacher and what boy doesn't fantasize about this and what a lucky duck and yada, yada, yada. And you see these women getting slaps on the wrist, getting very short sentences, all because a big portion of our society still believes that males should feel lucky for any sexual attention that they receive. It's disgusting. And it just like, I can't really think of another word, but it just grieved me to read those comments. It grieved me to read the ignorance that so many people still believe like in 2021, after Me Too and Church Too and so many psychologists and neuroscientists and counselors coming out and saying like sexual abuse of a minor is going to follow this person for, for the rest of their lives. It can have these damaging effects. And as an adult, people will struggle. But nobody can see past, oh, I thought my teacher was hot when I was 15. I would have been grateful if she'd had sex with me. Like it's that, it's like the locker room, the hot teacher fetish thing. It's not a fetish. This is not porn. It is real life. And I know that a lot of people believe that porn drives this. And I'm not going to argue with that. Like I know that one of the most searched porn terms 
has to do with teachers and students. And they actually say that more females search for that variety of porn than males, which I think is telling as well. But the sexual abuse of males, it's not a fantasy. It's not like, oh, you know, it's this rite of passage. Everybody needs to, you know, have a teacher that sexualizes them so they can become a man. It's not like none of that is based in reality. The reality is that this 15 year old kid is going to get older and he's going to become an adult and his brain is going to develop further. And he's eventually going to realize that he was groomed by this teacher, that she was a predator and she chose him for whatever reason. And she went to his house under the guise of wanting to help tutor him when really what she wanted to do was groom him for sexual abuse. And I just wish that the world at large would stop looking at these teachers as just these hot women who should just get a slap on the wrist and stop looking at these teen boys as people who should be grateful for any kind of sexual activity that comes their way. Like you should just be glad and you're so lucky. And even worse than that, um, this is your fault. You know, you are the aggressor. I was actually reading an article that talked about that very thing, like the victim blaming when it comes to male victims of sexual abuse. Um, There was a kid, Cameron Clarkson. He was a 16-year-old football player, and his teacher groomed him and sexually abused him. And after this happened, I mean, he was 16 years old. The teacher was a 25-year-old basketball and lacrosse coach and a substitute teacher at his school. She offered to give him a ride home one day, and that was when the first sexual encounter happened. And then more of them happened for, I guess, several months until another student uh, found out and, and turned the teacher in. But after she was turned in, people attacked this kid. And they basically said that it was his fault and that he had pursued her. And so he was getting her in trouble. And people did horrible things to him. They vandalized his car, vandalized his home. They told him that he was ruining her life and she was just this poor girl. And he destroyed her by letting this get out to the police or whatever. And it's like, no, she was legally obligated to not have sex with her 16-year-old students. Like, she's the one that violated that. And he has suffered from a lot of effects of being sexually abused and not just from the abuse, but from how people treated him after he was abused. And I'm pretty sure that the perpetrator actually only received like 30 days in jail or maybe it was all house arrest or something. And it was basically she got a slap on the wrist and he has to live his life being ostracized by everyone that he knows in his town and everyone he went to school with because He's a male, therefore he cannot be a victim of sexual abuse, especially not if the perpetrator is attractive. It is such a double standard. I want to say it's like a quadruple standard. I hate it. It's so annoying. Like, oh, this woman is pretty. So even though she had sex with one of her 15-year-old students, um, we should just let her go and not arrest her because she's just gorgeous. And why on earth would we send someone that pretty to prison? I want to read this article from the Washington Post talking about the 16-year-old who was abused by his teacher and then ostracized for it. And it says, for male victims of sexual abuse, this is how it goes. Growing evidence shows 
that boys who are sexually preyed upon by older female authority figures suffer psychologically in much the same way that girls do when victimized by older men. But in schools, courts, and law offices, male victims are treated openly with a double standard. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Some say boys should get the same protective care that girls do. Other people who work with these cases argue that male teens are driven by raging hormones and are only too happy to explore their new sexuality with older women. But all of the experts agree that the discrepancy in the treatment of victims of nonviolent sexual abuse by their high school teachers is real. And it shows male victims typically receive lower awards in civil cases, the experts say, and female perpetrators get lighter sentences. Um, I was astounded when they compared in this article, and I'm going to link to it in the show notes, when they compared in this article the settlements that female students who were sexually abused by male teachers get compared to what male students who were sexually abused by female teachers get. And um, they're in the millions for female students who take their cases to court. And typically, male students collect damages of $200,000 or less. So there is a big double standard. And it's something that I'm not really sure how it changes, except for us to keep speaking out about it and to challenge the idea. And of course, when we challenge these ideas, we're going to be ostracized and treated poorly, especially when you're trying to challenge ideas on the internet. So I'm not saying that's your best course of action to do what I did and sit for like an hour and 45 minutes and just try to comment to these people like, um, no, you're wrong. Um, no, he's not lucky. Um, hi. This is damaging. It has lifelong effects. And this child should not be grateful that his teacher wanted to have sex with him. And if this had happened to you when you were a 15-year-old child, you would be living out the consequences of that right now. Like, it's frustrating and it's exhausting. But I think that it's something that we need to pay attention to. Um, It's not fair. It's a double standard that is not fair at all. But as long as we have this pressure in our society for men to just be these like, oh, you got to be super masculine and grr, you got to be ready to have sex at a moment's notice, you know, by the time you're 13, like you have to be this virile, strong, powerful, it's toxic masculinity. And hear me when I say, I'm not saying masculinity is toxic. People get that turned around and they get very upset masculinity is not toxic, but that idea that if you are a male and you are masculine, that what masculinity means is this sexually conquering beast that's just like out, you know, making conquests and is grateful for any sexual touch that he gets like that is toxic masculinity. And I believe that that toxic masculinity and society's standards for males and male sexuality is what drives these cases where we're seeing sexual predators get hardly any time in prison, get slapped on the wrist, and their victims treated like, well, you need to be held accountable too. Like, you need to apologize for your part in this. Like, you you know what's right and wrong, and you had sex with your 31-year-old teacher anyway as a 14-year-old. Like that, it's crazy. Like it's completely crazy. And it just was really bothering me this week. It's something I haven't been able to get off my mind. So I wanted to talk about it and address it today on the podcast. And a little bit different than what we usually chat about here on Survivor Sanctuary because it's not specific to churches. I think in the church we have kind of a, a bigger problem almost where we don't take either gender sexually abusing people very seriously. At least that's the way that it seems. But in society at large, men are supposed to be grateful for sexual abuse. It's just like it just it blows my mind. It makes me sick. 
And it makes me want to hurt people too. Like, yes, I have a violent streak. Thankfully, I don't ever act on it. It's just like, I think it, but I did waste a lot of my time this weekend. Hopefully it wasn't wasted. Hopefully somebody listened. Um, But yeah, calling people ignorant tool bags is probably not the way to get them to listen. But I was so frustrated just reading those comments. I'm like, this can't, this can't be real. He's a 15 year old boy and she's a 41 year old woman and she's married. And now they found out she's pregnant. And I don't know if they know if her husband is the father or if this student that she was sexually abusing is the father. I don't know. It's it's the saga continues. But I do know that it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable that we give these women a free pass and we act as though a 15 year old boy or a 14 year old boy or a 16 year old whatever age should be held responsible for this predatory behavior. That's just, it's scary. Like, where does it come from? Where, you know, somebody's disturbed, but I think like you're 31 years old, you're 41 years old, you're 25 years old. Why are you sexualizing minors? Like, why? What is in this for you? And it's very disturbing and it's a trend that's on the rise. I'm not saying that. Like, I didn't invent that. It's not like, oh, it seems like there's more news stories. It seems like there's more news stories about female teachers abusing their male students because there are more. It is on the rise and they're starting to look into it more and do more studies. And I'm glad that this is getting a little bit more attention now because obviously there's a lot of work to be done, just like with Me Too, you know, starting a few years back. It's like, There's clearly work to be done when it comes to male victims of sexual abuse by female teachers or by any like attractive female, like, like it's not possible for an attractive female to be abusive. Like that's just crazy. And that's something that I would like to see changed. And so I wanted to talk about that this week on the podcast. And as always, if you have any thoughts to add, um, your two cents is always welcomed. On our Facebook group, you can search Survivor Sanctuary Podcast on Facebook and request to join. You'll have to answer a question. It asks what the main topic of conversation is on Survivor Sanctuary, and it's a multiple choice question. Somebody answered race cars last week, and I had to not allow them into our group. So answer it correctly, because this podcast is not about race cars. And we will let you into the group, and you can post and share your thoughts there. We would love to hear them. Well, until next time, have a good one, and keep speaking out. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.